0: This is Ozarks at Large for Wednesday, March 30th, 2022. I'm Kyle Kellums. We hope you are safe after a night of severe weather that moved across our region. This is KUAF 91.3, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. We continue our on-air spring fundraiser today with a reminder that you are the public in public radio, and we continue to bring you great public radio with your support that can be made at supportkuaf.com. Throughout our hour together, we'll talk more about how your financial contributions help keep us strong. I will tell you that our great supporter, Marty Burgraf is again today matching the first $300 contributed during Ozarks at Large this Wednesday. Marty is stepping up again today, and you can step up as well. If it's your turn to do so, you can make a contribution right now at supportkuaf.com. It's that time of year again. Time to grab the W-2s, the 1099s, and the 1040s. Deadline to file income tax for this year is fast approaching. Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth has this report on a volunteer program that is helping taxpayers ease the annual headache.
1: Outside of the Care Community Center, Director Kimberly Porter passes out numbers and face masks for people waiting to pick up food from their food pantry. Come on in and have a seat.
2: Nancy will call you in a few
1: minutes. The center located on 17th Street in Rogers is crowded as people stream in to pick up food and others trickle in to take care of a different necessity their taxes. All right,
2: would you go right back that way and around the cars and that way, please? No, very yeah, very good.
1: Good. To. Porter, the center's executive director, says March and April are some of their busiest months. That's because Care Community Center is one of the area's certified volunteer income tax assistance providers, also known as the VITA program. The grant program, which was started by the IRS in the 1970s, is a way to provide tax preparation help to low-income taxpayers and those from underserved communities for free.
2: Everyone here, for the most part, is a seasoned volunteer, but we all go through training every year that's required by the IRS. So we know the current tax law, we know how to operate the software we have available, and you get a quality correct return.
1: This is Porter's 19th year providing free tax assistance through care.
2: I think the best form of flattery, doing this as many years as I have, is when you started out with with taxpayers that were young, raising their kids and now their kids are working and they bring their kids in and say, come here and get your taxes done. They They will help you make sure that this is right. Um, And I think it's nice that we're building that level of trust and a genuine relationship in the community with our
1: taxpayers. Nathan Wisnat is a project manager and the site coordinator for the Benton County VITA program. He says new clients can often seem overwhelmed trying to navigate tax season. Because it can be very scary. Um, There are a lot of forms. The wording that they use is not always...
2: It may be in English, but it's a very strange business professional
1: English that not the average person may understand. And he says many people are left confused by some tax service providers which advertise, quote unquote, free filing. There has been a lot of
2: marketing during tax season for, you know, come see us, we'll take care of your taxes. Bring your last pay stub, we'll do your taxes. Uh, come in and to this car lot and we'll do your taxes. Use this free software and we'll do your taxes. And they call it for simple returns. Well, a basic simple return is one person, one W-2. That's basically what a simple return is. Anything other than that is now moving into not necessarily simple and probably going to your simple thing you th- thought was going to be free.
1: They may be trying to upcharge you now to do the additional forms, add additional information to the return. Some 70% of Americans are actually eligible to file free taxes through the IRS Free File Program. But according to a report from the investigative journalism website ProPublica, a mere 3% of those eligible in 2021 actually chose the free option. People have been inundated with all this free, free, we'll do it for you, we'll do it for you. And they're getting a little jaded and they don't know who to trust. Wisnat says VITA services are available for those with an income at and below $68,000, but free file is available for those with an adjusted income under $73,000 or for those who fit other requirements like disability status and non-primary English speakers or taxpayers over the age of 60.
2: They also made available a few years ago for people who are not anywhere near a VITA program or a TCE program, the free file options that are on their website. And those can be intimidating if you don't know what you're doing. And I think it's important that you have confidence in what you're providing to the IRS. It is very sensitive, personal, confidential, and you want to make sure that you've given them the appropriate information so you don't have
1: problems down the road. And Porter says working with one of their free agents over using a software can help people better understand their returns and some credits they may be eligible for.
2: This year, we had many parents that came in that received the advanced child tax credit that had no idea they had not received the appropriate amount and they were able to get that money plus anything that was refundable as part of that child tax credit.
1: So while keeping track of all of this can seem daunting, WisNat says some of the basic steps for anyone filing taxes to remember are one, to have your social security card ready, two, to know all of your sources of income. Whether that's your employment it's on a W-2, whether that's self-employment on a 1099
2: NEC, whether that's you went out and raked leaves and got paid cash.
1: Any form of income that you had, you need to have all that information. And finally, he says to have accurate bank information to help set up direct deposit for your return. And Porter adds that the most important thing for people to remember is not to panic.
2: One of the biggest misconceptions is if you get a letter from the IRS that the whole world has ended and it's doom and gloom, and it's actually not. And It it doesn't matter that you are filing late. We can help you resolve that issue. Um, I think the most we ever did for one taxpayer was 10 years. And it's important to remember if you're filing late, you can only get your refunds for the three-year time period. So if you need that appointment, call, and we'll be happy to get you in and get that taken care of so you get that, that refund in your pocket instead of not being able to have that.
1: The deadline to file taxes in 2022 is Monday, April 18th. The Care Community Center's VITA program has free clinics available at sites in Washington and Benton counties through appointment at their tax center in Rogers or through their mobile app. Ann Porter says anyone, regardless of residency, is able to use their services. For information, you can visit carecc.org forward slash tax center. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Daniel Caruth. All right, if you
2: go all the way back to the little office right back...
1: Thanks so much for being with
0: us on this Wednesday on Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellums. This is the spring fundraising edition of Ozarks at Large. I want to remind you that Marty Bergraff, who's a great friend of KUAF Public Radio and Ozarks at Large, again today offering a $300 challenge for the first $300 that we can uh, have contributed during Ozarks at Large for this Wednesday. It's a way to encourage you to make that contribution now at the beginning of the show if you can. So if we can raise $300 during Ozarks at Large, it becomes $600 with Marty Burgraf's help. Thank you so much, Marty. Thanks to everyone who has contributed so far. Creating a more informed public, that's the mission of KUAF. We do it with honest, in-depth reporting. Locally, here on Ozarks at Large, and from around the world throughout the day on KUAF. We report on topics that you care about. The economy, health, education, the environment, international affairs. KUAF also informs you about subjects that you may not have known much about. It's the expected and the unexpected. This is the time of year when we also inform you about the unique service that we have and how it works. It's powered by the support of listeners just like you, who take the very important step of becoming members. Now that you know how important you are to KUAF, listeners like you are the, by far, biggest part of the budget that keeps programs like Ozarks at large and all things considered on the air. Now that you know how important you are to KUAF, please make a contribution right now. You can do so at support. KUAF.com. It takes just a couple of minutes. You determine the amount. You also determine how you make that contribution. If you'd like to become a sustaining member and give a little bit, the same amount every month, and watch that contribution grow over 12 months, over a year, you can do that at supportkuaf.com. And if you contribute right now up to $300, you'd be helping us meet the goal. If we haven't yet already, that has been... um, established by the challenge from Marty Burgraff of $300. We're trying to get early uh, to $600 with that match from Marty Burgraff. But whatever the amount you can afford, whatever the value you place on Ozarks at Large, Public Radio, and KUAF, you can make a contribution right now, safely and securely, at supportkuaf.com. And thank you.
3: Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. KUAF is supported by TC Screen Printing and Apparel and the Arkansas Shirt Club, offering a subscription-based monthly mail delivery of Arkansas-themed t-shirts celebrating the good people, outdoors, and places called home. Subscription information and more are available at ArkansasShirtClub.com.
0: This is Ozarks at Large. Thanks for your support of KUAF, support that allows us to go beyond the boundaries of broadcast radio. Over the past couple of years, we've expanded our mission to include podcasts, podcasts that keep you up to date on a range of topics, from mental health in our region to digital currency. One of those podcasts, Undisciplined, releases a new episode today. Undiscipline is a collaboration between KUAF, Ozarks at Large, and the African and African American Studies Program at the University of Arkansas. On the latest episode of Undisciplined, host Dr. Karee Banton, the director of the African and African-American Studies Program at the U of A, welcomes entrepreneur April Roy onto the show. April is the founder and CEO of Fempack, an emergency kit for menstruating people. And the idea for the product, she says, came from a real-life experience.
4: I started Fempack after a girls' trip to L.A. with my best friend. Um, she is a, I wear black all the time girl, so she was real excited about buying these white pants and bringing them on the trip. And unfortunately... I do love a good white pants. Yes, she was real excited. She was like, <laughs> I'm going to run on the beach, you know. She was all excited. And Take then, angelic <laughs> pictures. Yes. And we do have pictures of us on the beach, but then, boom. Boom. It happened, you know, and we like rushed to the nearest CVS and Walgreens thinking we were gonna find something that was convenient for her um, to make her feel safe basically on her flight back to New York. And unfortunately, there wasn't anything that didn't involve a cardboard applicator. Uh, She complained about them not having her like the brand that she loves. Um, And then she didn't have the proper underwear. So we were looking for underwear and I. I think goodness. the only size they had was like 3x, so it's basically all of these missing pieces. Like, and it was just like, okay, we know
5: this happened because if you if you are going <laughs> to wear a pad, it cannot be a thong. Exactly, you know, <laughs> it, it just does not. It's a weird mechanics. Exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah, so these stories I'm sure resonate. I could see how your life becomes saturated any woman who you talk to. Yes. I think whether old or or modern day girls will have these stories about the sense of dread. Yes. that they have from just having their period. Or, you know, whether it's the pain and how they have to develop routines around that or um, just making sure that they're not soiling um, things and the processes that they have to develop around that. We want to know about the actual product. Yes. What is the actual product? What is in it? So our kit comes with one black
4: panty one pad one tampon with plant-based applicator one penny liner one feminine wipe one two tablet ibuprofen and one dark chocolate mini for cravings um, our pads biodegrade after 290 days um, and I think our tampon applicator if I'm not mistaken is 95 percent sugarcane um, and so it's all about sustainability as well but also about convenience um, again it's all about making menstrual hygiene care accessible in every space that women and all menstruating people exist. Um, and so it's about six by one. You can put it in a large pocket, your purse, keep it in your car, um, as well as work. Um, and so the spaces we were looking to get into and are in um, are some schools. We're in hotels. Um, we have a travel trade show coming up where we're really trying to push them um, into the airline industry as well as airports. Um, you know but again, it's really about making them available in every space that we exist. Um, parks, nightclubs. Everywhere. You know, <laughs> that's one thing we shouldn't have to worry about. Um, and also, if you want me to shop in your store, if I get my period, I'm going home. Like, how about you provide me with something, you know? And so it's really thinking about the the consumer, um, not just about like the money, but about making sure that you're providing accessible menstrual hygiene care. I was at a trade show, like I said, recently, um, and... So many women came up to me... And was like, oh, my God, I need this product now. Or I needed this last night at the casino. I had to buy, like, all the pads and I only needed one. Right. And so, yeah, while I was out, I was taking pictures in the airport, uh, in the casinos to see. And all you have is, like, this big box of tampons and big bulky pads. So it's just like, show the world. I'm on my period right now. See you guys, you know. And so that's the one thing about our product is discretion. Um, We like to say that we make it easy for guys to go pick up their product for their wives because she can go to the store tomorrow. So, yeah, um, we just wanted to make sure that it was easy, convenient and sustainable.
5: You got into this business that probably thinking reflexively about your life as a woman and your personal experience, you leverage all of that into this undertaking, which is so fascinating. So I'm wondering, is it awkward when you talk to people about your business? Like the triple awkwardness of being, talking about period, administration, being a black woman, male-dominated business world. How is the... What's the level of arc? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, in the beginning for me,
4: okay, so I was just like, okay, April, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to be, like, transparent. And you're going to have to strong muscle it. And (laughs) it's just like me talking to old white men about periods. And I conquered that fear probably uh, into our second year, right? Um, I remember I was going into a meeting with, uh, uh, it was uh, to do business with the military. And I look at the table and it's all old white men. And it was just like, okay, you have to do this. And so I had a kit with me and I sat it down in front of them and I did my pitch. And I always look at everyone in their face to see who's comfortable and to see who's not comfortable. Um, There were a few who were comfortable because uh, they had wives, they had daughters, so they were involved in their lives. Um, But then you have men who don't wanna hear that. Um, I was pitching once to a committee and a guy who was the CEO of a company, he basically asked why did he have to care about his women employees? when it comes to their periods, why he, that he, that sounds like a personal issue, um, and so and we can
5: extrapolate onto how, Why should I care about uh, single women with children during COVID having exactly. to teach at home? You yes. know,
1: why should I have to supply toilet paper?
4: <laughs> okay, so that is the thing. So as he's going on and on, my face is basically like, "Oh my God, I can't believe he said this out loud." And so as he finished, I go, um, I'm so happy you asked that question. Do you carry toilet paper with you everywhere you go? And he goes, oh, well, I think I have some in my truck. I wanted to yell, you're lying, but... Let's go with it. Let's say you have it in your truck, right? I said, oh, well, not in your truck. Like, do you carry a man bag, man purse with you, you know, just in case it happens while you're out? Um, I said, because you could be at the store. It comes. You go into the public restroom. You do your business. And the toilet paper says, "Mm, sorry, you should have brought your own. It sounds like a personal problem. There's no toilet paper. It runs out. So what do you do in that moment? I said, what you're going to do is pull those pants up, (laughs) walk out as if nothing has happened, get in your truck, sit in it. (laughs) Go home and do your business. Hopefully you can
5: go home. You can make it. Yes,
4: because some people... Have to sit at work for the remaining of how many hours they have left. I mean, thinking they don't have about low
5: income women who have to choose between going home uh, and losing the hours or yes. the the pay that they would have received. Exactly. Right? So just to preserve their dignity.
4: Exactly. Exactly. And so that was the point that I was making to him. Um, I also told him that proju- production would be lost. I think it's about eighty percent that's lost due to presentism, meaning they're at work but not working. And so I think he got it. He understood it. But I also say I'm sure every time he goes to the restroom, he thinks about Fimpact.
5: Yeah, good
0: pitch, good pitch. (laughs) You can hear the full conversation on the Undisciplined podcast feed that's available through all major podcast distributors. Undisciplined is a production of Ozarks at Large KUAF and the African and African American Studies Program at the University of Arkansas is hosted by Dr. Karee Batten. Each episode produced by Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore.
3: Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art presents The Dirty South, Contemporary Art, Material Culture, and the Sonic Impulse, a celebration and exploration of Southern Black culture from the past 100 years. This nationally recognized exhibition presents visual art, textiles, and sound components to exhibit the persistence of power through expression. Open through July 25th. crystalbridges.org for tickets. KUAF is supported by Little Wing Productions, presenting the classic rock band Three Dog Night to the auditorium in Eureka Springs Thursday, July 14th. Hits include Mama Told Me Not to Come, Joy to the World, an old-fashioned love song, and more. Tickets are available online at tickets at thundertix.com.
0: This is Ozarks at Large. We certainly appreciate your support of public radio, this public radio station, and your community. The theater company The Smokehouse Players connects to community beyond just presenting live theater to audiences. Early next month, the Smokehouse Players will again team up with Magdalen Serenity House, contributing house receipts from a Thursday night show to the nonprofit that assists women who have experienced trauma, sexual exploitation, addiction, and incarceration. That next production, Love Letters, will again be staged at the Smokehouse building near the intersection of Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard and Ripple Road in Fayetteville. Opening night is Thursday, April 7th, that Tonight's patrons' donations for ticket prices will be passed along to Magdalene Serenity House. Last week, we invited the co-founders of The Smokehouse Players, Terry Vaughn and Tim Gilser, who happen to also be the two actors in Love Letters, as well as Warren Rosenhauer, the director of the production, and April Backrock, the executive director of Magdalene Serenity House. All of them to the Furman Garner Performance Studio at KUAF. Terry Vaughn says next week's presentation marks the end of a pandemic-induced two-year hiatus for the company after they had to shutter a production of "Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf?" just before it opened.
6: But that was a very difficult show to shut down because four characters, big set, it was you know more complicated. This is a simple show to produce. It's just the two of us. Um, it's very sweet, and I think. Um, After living through COVID, uh, we all understand the importance of connections, and even though you may not be physically together, relationships can continue to grow and ripen without being in the same physical proximity, and Love Letters is about a relationship between two people uh, which is um, held together through the correspondence they've shared for 50 years. It's a 50-year love affair from 1937 to 1987. And it's also about the uh, beauty of uh, the lost art of letter writing, which no one does anymore, and how uh, powerful handwritten correspondence is and how handwritten letters are everlasting, even beyond death.
0: That's the antithesis of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. (laughs)
6: Yes, yes, from the light to the dark.
0: No one has ever described Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf as a sweet
7: play. Yes,
0: yes.
7: (laughs) But also outside of the theme, um, this show is, I would say, easily collapsible if we have to postpone because of another wave, another outbreak. And this is a play and this is an author's note it's a a sort of a play that needs no theater, no special set, no memorization of lines, no commitment from the two actors beyond the night of the performance. So, if we do have to collapse because of another wave, it's going to be easy for us to fold it and just another couple of weeks down the line.
0: Warren Rosenhauer, director of this easily easily collapsible play. What does that mean for you and what we see on the stage
8: well it's 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 pretty uh as Terry and Tim want to make sure that everyone knows about Smokehouse Players, it's pretty bare bones, you know? The actors walk on, they begin reading their love letters to one another, and um, it. I've I be, I become more of a listener than actually a physical director saying stand stage right, move stage left, sit, pick up that coffee cup. I'm out there just listening to their voices and trying to interpret what the author's intent wa- is for for the characters, and we've had several discussions. We we read something like, "Oh, that's wonderful," and then the next time we read it, we go, "Wait a minute! I think we need to move in this direction." She's saying this, and he's responding here. So it's it's more of not that directors don't listen, but this is all just listening. I mean, there is no—there's not, there's not much uh, visual movement that I have to interpret or give the actors insight into.
6: And because it starts when they're children and then goes until they're adults, you know, this 50-year love affair between these two people, and the, the uh, convention in which the playwright wants us to do it as far as the staging is concerned, it's like the peeling of an onion. You know, you see these lives evolve and devolve— um, and it's just through their written correspondence.
0: But if it starts with children and it spans 50 years, what do you as a director tell your actors to do as far as vocal behavior and, and actions like that? That's
8: very interesting because Mr. Gurney is very specific in saying this is not, do not portray the, the young people childlike. He wants he wants it to be as if the characters have picked up these letters, these people have picked up these letters at age 60 and are rereading them to us. So we're not, you know, there's not going to be any childlike talk or anything. I think the idea of age comes through with the way he's written the script and the way he's written the letters. Oh, yeah, there are children here. Oh, wait, they're in middle school or junior high now. Oh, now we're up and they're, they're, they're off at college, you know. So the way it's written is we know at what point these people are in their lives, and we don't need to hear any kind of, uh, of vocal interpretation of being childlike or, or, um, or youthful. Uh, it is really like someone like us picking up letters from 50 years ago and just reading them in our in our memory thinking what these people were like.
6: And that's the beauty of handwritten letters. I know I've got a, a desk at home and I have an entire drawer that is filled with letters that I've saved over the last 40 years. When I read a text or when I read an email, I hear my voice reading it. But when I pick up a letter from my mother, as soon as I see her handwriting, although she's dead for 10 years, I hear my mother's voice. And that's what this play is. These people are hearing each other speak through the handwritten correspondence between the two of them. It's very beautiful and sweet and funny and tender. It's it's a lovely little piece.
8: Yeah, and um, he, he, he he's quite specific in saying that while you're listening to the letter, the other character's listening, you're not to, to what we call in theater mug or react or like ooh and ah. I mean, you are listening to—it's as if you're just reading the letter and you're li- watching and listening to what the person's saying. It's uh, it's quite interesting. It's it's a different kind of theater. I mean, it's not, it, you know, it's not... Um, it's what somebody might interpret as an oral interpretation of a script.
0: There's a partnership that, that Smokehouse players have had before with Magdalene Serenity House. Yes. That exists again.
6: Yes. Well... Frank was very kind to us when he let us produce and perform at the Smokehouse.
0: That's Frank Sharp.
6: Yes, Frank Sharp, very kind to us. So we wanted to continue that kindness by having free theater at the Smokehouse and by supporting Magdalene Serenity House and raising awareness uh, about them and what they do. Um, Tickets for Smokehouse players are free, but the opening night of every new production is a benefit for Magdalene. And any money that we can get folks to donate when they come to the theater on opening night, 100% of it goes to Magdalene. And the beautiful thing that's been happening is the chilling room is small, so there's only so many people that we can get in there. So there's only so much money that we can raise on opening night. But individual donors have started to come forward, and they have said they will match whatever we're able to contribute. So for our last production, Night Mother, we raised over $6,800 in one night because we had four matching donors and for this production, we've already got six matching donors. So we're very excited that we're going to get people to come out and just contribute a little because it's time six and help us, help Magdalene, help the women in this community because it's a fantastic organization and they're doing great work for women in our area.
0: April, when I was hearing Warren Rose, Rosenhauer talk about, as a director listening, I was thinking, well, there's something that happens at Magdalene Serenity House, right? There's something in common.
9: Yeah, absolutely. And what's really neat about Magdalene is it is a two year program and it is at no cost to the women in our program. And we specifically serve women who've experienced trauma, sexual exploitation addiction, and incarceration. A lot of folks don't know that there is a 114-bed women's prison here in Fayetteville. It's a really neat prison as far as prisons go, and that the women are able to come there and get treatment and job training. They're able to take college courses. And so while they're in this program, they're doing that real hard work of healing and recovery. But what we found out is that once women finish this program, there's a lack of safe places for these women to parole out to. And so we at Magdalene, we want to give them an opportunity to continue their healing, to continue their recovery in our two-year program and listening and building relationships relationship. For some women, this is the first safe place they have had in their entire life. And so just having this opportunity to build this relationship with these women over the span of two years and seeing the tremendous amount of growth and healing and recovery that takes place during that time is truly an inspiration. And we're grateful that we have a community That embraces this work. And Smokehouse players are truly a part of that community, which makes this life-changing program possible.
0: April, this play is so much about connection and communication. I mean, I don't want to, uh, you know, stretch a metaphor here. But that sounds exactly like part of the mission of Magdalene Serenity House.
9: It does. And as we've kind of talked about this art of handwritten letters, I think about how when women are reaching out to us and they're still incarcerated, it's coming through a letter. And we're reading the letter, we're reading their story, they're asking for help, they're asking for an opportunity to continue their recovery work. And we have always made it a point to respond to every letter we get because we know for most women when they're incarcerated, they're not hearing from family They're not hearing from their children. And if we can make their day by sending a handwritten letter that says, wow, you are doing such hard work. And I'm so proud of you for reaching out and saying, hey, I want to continue. How brave that is. And we will stay in touch with women during their entire stay And just give them that hope to keep going, to know that their life can be better. And we see a lot of women when they come out and they do enter our program say, that really meant a lot to me. I didn't receive mail from anybody else while I was incarcerated. Thank you for the beautiful card. And so just seeing that delicate art of the handwritten note, we experience that at Magdalene. And we can build that foundation of a relationship that they know they can count on once they're released. And so we kind of go, they go into the program Having that relationship built with us. And so that really resonated with me just the power of, of the handwritten note and how meaningful that is for women who are incarcerated.
0: Appleback wrote, Is the executive director of Magdalen Serenity House? The nonprofit will receive the donated proceeds from the box office of the first performance of the Smokehouse Players production of Love Letters that takes place Thursday night. April 7th. It's inside the Smokehouse building that's near the intersection of Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard and Ruppel Road in Fayetteville. We also, in that conversation, heard from actors and Smokehouse player founders Terry Vaughn and Tim Gilser, and the director of Love Letters, Warren Rosenhauer. Love Letters presented April 7th, 8th, and 9th. No set charge for ticket prices and no reserved seats for each of the 7.30 p.m. shows. This is Ozarks at Large. Happy Wednesday. This is KUAF 91.3, your public radio station. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. Thanks for being with us. We continue our on-air spring fundraiser throughout the rest of this week on KUAF. It's a time when we remind you uh, that we can be here, and we have been here because of listeners like you who make a financial contribution. You can do that right now at supportkuaf.com. And uh, again, a very big thank you to Marty Bergraf of Fayetteville, who again today made a $300 challenge trying to get $300 raised quickly during Ozarks at Large on this Wednesday. So it could be $600 raised before the hour is even over. If you'd like to help us meet that challenge, you can do so. At supportkuaf.com, and by the way, that challenge is extended to uh, for gift memberships. Perhaps you're giving in honor of someone. Perhaps you're wanting to make a uh, contribution at supportkuaf.com for someone who is unable to at this time. It also counts if you've been making contributions for years or it's your first ever contribution. They all count towards Marty Burgraff's $300 challenge during this Wednesday hour of Ozarks at Large. Thank you so much, Marty, for doing your part. Thanks to everyone who has contributed so far. You know, KUAF is a shared service. You're among thousands in northwest Arkansas, the Arkansas River Valley, eastern Oklahoma and southern Missouri who listen to KUAF every day. Funding all the journalism you hear on KUAF is a shared investment. We share the cost of all of NPR's reporting with hundreds of other public radio stations across the country. We can't make this investment each year without your help. It's that simple. We rely on voluntary contributions of a varying amount from our listeners to fund all of our national, international, and local reporting. If you hear it on KUAF, it's being funded by you and listeners like you. This continues to be a critical time to be informed, which makes it a critical time to give if you can give. It doesn't have to be a lot of money. A small monthly contribution makes giving affordable to you and reliable for us. You can become a monthly sustaining member at supportkuaf.com. You can give a one time contribution at supportkuaf.com. And really, I think any questions you might have about how this works are answered at supportkuaf.com. And I'll remind you again that the first $300 contributed during Wednesday Ozarks at Large, matching Marty Burgraff of Fayetteville's generous $300 contribution. So you can make a contribution in the amount you choose that supports the public radio you listen to, and it also helps us meet Marty's latest uh, Ozarks at Large Challenge. All of those can take place at supportkuaf.com. You're doing your part to make sure there is local conversation on Ozarks at Large, but also that you can hear great music on the weekends like Mike Shirky and the Pick and Post or the generic blues show with Paul Kelso and the national and international reporting that's on our station every day of the year. Make the contribution now while you're thinking about it in the amount of your choice at support kuaf.com joined with thousands of others who are doing their part we appreciate it from all of us that work at ozarks at large and from your fellow listeners thank you very much hey y'all i'm joy mcgowan and i'm denisha simpson and
9: And we we are are resilient Resilient
4: Black black women resilient black women is a new podcast that aims to demystify mental health and increase access to mental health care for all people but especially black women and women of color
9: Research shows that Black women and women of color have more barriers standing in their way of seeking mental health care, including racism and discrimination, the stigma of mental health care, limited access and lack of providers who identify within communities of color.
4: So join us on the second and fourth Friday of the month as we break down barriers and talk about resilience, grief, our bodies and much, much more. The Resilient Black Women podcast is available at KUAF and anywhere you get your podcast.
0: Friday is April Fool's Day, and we individually observe, or not, with pranks and hijinks. Charlie Allison, the executive editor at University Relations at the University of Arkansas, continues his series about the history of the U of A with a tip of the hat to past jokes and tricks connected to campus.
10: At about 3 a.m. on a Saturday night in 1952, Fayetteville police received a desperate call from the housemother of the Chi Omega sorority house on Maple Avenue. It seemed someone had left a -a two-and-a-half-year-old at the sorority house. And not just any two-and-a-half-year-old. It was a -a two-and-a-half-year-old, 1,200-pound Holstein bull, and it wasn't on the doorstep. It was in the basement. The bull turned out to be missing from the stock of the University of Arkansas agricultural farm, it had apparently been removed from its stall during the night and led into the Cayo basement as a joke. It took four police officers to push, pull, and prod the bull back upstairs and out of the house. <laughs> that was the 1950s for you, probably the high watermark mark of pranks, jokes, and fads. A few years after the Holstein bull imbroglio, a more benign fad began at the U of A campus and spread to colleges around the country. It was called Hunkering Down, and it started because of a chair shortage at the Sigma Chi Fraternity House. Some of the members squatted down on their haunches for a chapter meeting and decided they liked it better than sitting in a chair. The hunkering fad spread to campuses in Oklahoma and Missouri and then really took off when pictures of the U of A students were featured in Life magazine. Variations on hunkering spread as well. There was the inside hunker with your arms between the knees, the outside hunker with your arms outside the knees, the jockey hunker with feet splayed to the outside, the left-legged hunker and the right-legged hunker, The thunker-hunker who simply thinks deep thoughts with their chin on their hand while hungering, And finally, the Hornerbrook special, named for the U of A student Jim Hornerbrook of Little Rock. Someone who clearly hankered for hungering. One of the earliest pranks at the university that I came across was a bit mean-spirited. Some of the students in the early days of the university believed that the president was a bit too strict regarding what they did after school hours. This was before the railroad had come through town, and the boardwalk along Dixon Street crossed a creek at the bottom of the hill by means of a wooden footbridge. Late one evening, the students removed several planks from the middle of the bridge and then allowed themselves to be spotted by the university president, who chased them down the street in the dark. The students ran across the footbridge and jumped over the open point in the bridge, but the president came along and fell through to the creek below. In 1916, the student newspaper, the University Weekly, ran a short story announcing that Henry Caulfield, better known on campus as UG, would attempt to fly a biplane glider off the top of the South Tower of Old Main. Sure enough, the next week, the University Weekly ran a relatively long story about Caulfield's mostly successful flight. The newspaper reported that the wind was blowing briskly out of the Southwest, and all safety checks were made prior to the attempt in front of a crowd of nearly 500 people watching from the lawn below. The story said, quote, There was an involuntary hum of awe and fear from the crowd as Caulfield took his place at the dizzy height. With one graceful sweep, the glider rushed with lightning speed and lodged in one of the trees of the campus, about 50 feet from Arkansas Avenue. The glider was dashed into a thousand pieces, but just before it struck, Aviator Caulfield jumped clean and alighted on the ground. That seemed amazing to me. Then I thought, "Ah, you know, that story reads just a little bit too good to be true. Well, more than 30 years later, it was revealed that the whole story had been fabricated by engineering students for the St. Patrick's Day edition of the University Weekly. (laughs) Some 50 years later, in 1981, the student newspaper ran a real photo of a surreal Arkansas booster. This was back in the days when Arkansas played a conference game with Texas every year. This new, odd Arkansas booster, really a cheerleader of sorts, stood on the green between the dining hall and Humphreys dormitory. It held a sign that said simply, Go Hogs, Beat Texas. In reality, uh, this stoic cheerleader was a 12-foot-tall statue of the Shoney's Big Boy, purloined from the outside of Shoney's Restaurant on the far north side of Fayetteville. Apparently, the statue wasn't bolted down, so in some ways it proved much easier to borrow than the perpetrators expected. But it was also much bigger than the perpetrators had imagined, and a tarp they planned to use to cover the Big Boy wasn't big enough to cover the arm holding the hamburger. That arm and hamburger were seen in the early morning hours hanging outside the bed of a pickup truck that carried it through Fayetteville and across campus to the dining hall during the wee hours to greet students on the way to breakfast in the morning. (laughs) The next day, the Hogs under Coach Lou Holtz lit up the scoreboard against the number 1-ranked Texas, winning 42-11. to I'm sure that there are still alumni out there who are superstitious and still hoping for a return of the Shoney's big boy to campus for the next Texas game. In the year 2000, when the brand new student radio station's KXUA began its first day on the air, the DJs told the listening audience that they were required to play nothing but readings of public speeches and oratory all day long. There was the recording of the Nixon-Kennedy debate, FDR's Declaration of War, a poetry reading by Carl Sanders. And it was all in fun since their first broadcast was on April Fool's Day. <laughs> the Office of University Housing got in on the April Fool's Act with a practical joke of their own in 2012. During spring break, while all the students were away, they painted an inky black fissure across the floor of the great room at Pomford Hall, complete with wooden planks across the chasm, emergency tape, and orange warning codes. While the gag was visually stunning, especially from the cafeteria balcony above, the fissure served a practical purpose, too, explaining what to do in case of a real earthquake. Speaking of April Fool's Day and radio hijinks, this very show, Ozarks at Large, indulged in its own mischievous streak. One year, the director of the Arkansas poll, Professor Janine Perry, came on the show to provide the latest findings of the university's statewide poll. They found, for instance, that 78% of the poll's respondents supported changing the state motto from Regnot Populus to a more youthful-sounding Arkansas rules, dude. Okay, I added the dude, but I would vote for that. <laughs> the poll also found that Arkansans felt like the state's nickname, the natural state, supported nudity. Now, I don't know if the poll queried voters about the state's earlier nickname, the Bear State, but I don't think it would have fared any better. And finally in their poll, the new winning choice for the state license plate phrase, preferred by an overwhelming majority, was, "Hug <laughs> Last on my list is the twisted humor of another professor. On the first day of classes one year, students filed into their college chemistry class. At the front of class, a custodial worker was sweeping the last bit of dust into a pan. The professor, though, was running late, but he had left problems on the blackboard from the previous section of the class. At some point, as the students began to get antsy, the custodian walked over to the chalkboard, examined a problem, and turned around and told the class that he thought he knew what the answer was. Then he asked if anyone knew the answer to the second problem. Someone raised a hand and gave the answer. Oh yeah, that makes sense, the custodian said. Then he discussed the third problem at length. Slowly, one by one, the students began realizing that the custodian was in fact their chemistry professor, Dr. Wally Cordes, a master of engaging students in the classroom, so much so that the university's teaching and faculty support center is named in his honor. And that should tell you something about the sense of humor of the University of Arkansas faculty as a whole. Charlie
0: Allison is the executive director of university relations at the University of Arkansas. He's delivering moments of the University of Arkansas's history to
3: us each Wednesday in observation of the school's 150th anniversary. KUAF is supported by Hendricks College in Conway home of Life Launch, a new one-week residential summer program for rising high school juniors and seniors to explore career planning and experience college life. Now accepting applications for its inaugural session, which begins June 2022. More information is available at hendricks.edu lifelaunch. The 46th annual Hog Eye Marathon is the weekend of April 9th and 10th in downtown Springdale. This full-and-half marathon, 5K, and 10K run, plus four-person marathon relay will benefit several local charities. Finisher medals will be awarded. Registration deadline is April 7th. HogEyeMarathon.com for more information. Walton Arts Center's 10x10 Arts Series presents the youngest Grammy Award nominee in a jazz category, Joey Alexander. The 18-year-old Indonesian piano prodigy will perform original music alongside bassist Larry Grenadier and drummer Kendrick Scott Thursday, April 7th. waltonartscenter.org or 443-5600 for tickets.
0: This is Ozarks at Large for Wednesday, March 30th, 2022. Thanks for being with us. We continue our spring on-air fundraiser at KUAF. We take just a couple of minutes in between our stories and interviews here on Ozarks at Large and other shows on KUAF this week to remind you that we can bring you these shows every day of the year because of past and continued and future support from listeners just like you. If you've been meaning to make that support during the first two and a half days or so of our on-air fundraiser this spring, you can do so right now. It's very simple and it's very safe. Just go to supportkuaf.com. And again, I'd like to thank uh, our our great friend and great supporter of public radio, KUAF and Ozarks at Large, Marty Burgraff of Fayetteville, who has made a $300 challenge again today. First $300 raised during Ozarks at Large this Wednesday, matched by Marty. The idea here is that it's an extra little gentle, as gentle as the nudge can be, to make you give early during this hour so we can Keep our momentum going as we continue through this spring on-air fundraiser. So Marty Bergraf has put up another $300 like Marty did on Tuesday and Monday. If you can help us match that, it'd be worth $600 uh, quickly for Ozarks at Large, KUAF, and Public Radio. You can make your contribution at supportkuaf.com. KUAF is your independent, member-supported news organization. What does that mean? Well, it means that profits – shareholders, and ratings do not factor into our editorial decisions. The objective is to provide the highest quality reporting to the communities that we serve. And that's a that's a big swath, right? It's Northwest Arkansas, it's the Arkansas River Valley, Eastern Oklahoma, and Southern Missouri. This includes news programs like Morning Edition, All things considered, the conversations you hear here on Ozarks at Large and 1A with Terry Gross on Fresh Air, podcasts that cover everything from the upcoming elections to pop culture, and a robust news presence at KUAF.com. Breaking news, insightful conversations, all supported with your financial contribution. Listener support is not just an essential part of the equation, it's the biggest essential part of our equation. Without listener support, this is not hyperbole, this is actual truth, without listener support, KUAF can't be here. We can't survive. You can do your part, if you're able today, to make sure KUAF does survive by contributing right now. You can contribute online at supportkuaf.com. And again, all contributions matter. We do not have a minimum amount. We do not even have a suggested amount. We are just Really trying to all work together. So when we pool our resources together as we're able, we continue to pay for the programs that you enjoy and the programs you rely on every day at KUAF. You can make the contribution at supportkuaf.com. And if you'd like, you can become a sustaining member of KUAF, give a little bit every single month. And over the course of 12 months, that becomes a A gift with a lot of impact to KUAF. It also provides a reliable source of income for KUAF. My wife and I have been sustaining members, giving something every month for uh, several years now. If you're interested in in doing your gift that way, you can find out more at supportkuaf.com. However you want to give, however much you want to give, please, let's hear from you now at supportkuaf.com. And thank you.
7: For the Central Arkansas Library System, I'm Mark Chris with an encyclopedia of Arkansas Minute. Born on a Lincoln County farm in 1907, Ethel Russ Dawson spent her life fighting for self-sufficiency and political independence for black Arkansans. After graduating from what is now the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff in 1940, Dawson served as a home demonstration agent in Gould, then taught home economics in Pine Bluff. Working with the National Council of Churches of Christ, she became more politically active and urged rural blacks to use their political clout, saying, We were always encouraging people to pay their poll taxes and vote. As secretary of the Pine Bluff NAACP chapter, she used Christian doctrine to support rural activism and urged blacks to seek new opportunities as agriculture grew more mechanized. Her causes range from fighting racism in newspaper coverage to opposing over-policing of black communities to working with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. She fought for black political and economic access until her 1984 death. To learn more, visit EncyclopediaOfArkansas.net.
0: This is KUAF 91.3, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Tahlequah. Timothy Dennis produced today's show inside the Herald and Blanchcock News Studio. Contributors included Daniel Carruth, Dr. Corey Banton, Charlie Allison, and Mark Christ. The Undisciplined Podcast is produced by Matthew Moore. Our theme is titled First to Raw. It's written and performed By Daryl Sean, thanks for your continued support, and thanks again today to Marty Burgraf for issuing that Wednesday three hundred dollar challenge during Ozarks at Large. Hopefully, everyone made it as safely through the severe weather overnight as possible. We will be back with you tomorrow at noon and seven for a Thursday edition of Ozarks at Large. We're always with you on your schedule if you subscribe to the free KUAF and Ozarks at Large podcast. It's available through all major podcast distributors. Speaking of online, you can always go to supportkuaf.com and make a financial contribution in your amount to support this station and this program. From the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Kellams.